Greetings and felicitations, podcast listeners. Welcome to another episode of Grumpy Old Gay Men and Their Dogs. It's episode 61 here in the Zen Room, day 320. My name is Patrick Finn, and I am here with the stupefying Tommy Gibbons. Hi, bitches. How are you tonight, Tommy? Right now, I'm kind of missing... How, for a while, though, you were delivering that opening thing. Mm-hmm. In different voices and it has different. Uh, oh, you missed that. I do. I'm, okay, I'm, I'll try to. I'll try to mix it up in the future. I, then I, I miss judging them. Okay, usually you make fun of me for doing those. <laughs> yeah. That's probably why it's. That's probably why I stopped. Yeah. <laughs> but was it funny? Was did the people laugh? Did I the hope people so. People out there in Radio Land laugh. I, I know I did, so that's well, the important thing. Okay. <laughs> I'm okay. How are you? Doing good, doing good. How was your week and weekend since I last saw you? Uh, steady as she goes. Yeah. Okay. All generally good? All generally okay. I'm okay. Everything's okay. Well, good, good. Us too. Yeah, good for you. We winter, we winterized the yard this weekend. We winterized the yeah. estate. Put, yes, put away all the, you know, the chairs and the tables and the pots and planters. That's what you gotta do when you got shit. Yep, yes you do. Yes, yeah, so we did all that this weekend. And we saw for our very first time a live roller derby match. Okay. Right over here in Old Beth Page at the I think it's called the Safe Skate America in Old Beth Page. No, I have to say, I have never seen a roller derby match. Roller derby match, except for, I think there was one on Happy Days and Laverne and Shirley did one, I think. Or whatever uh, okay. I think there was, yes, there was some episode yeah. where there was a roller derby, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I, I knew it was around. I knew it. I remember they said it on, I think on Channel 9 on Sunday nights back in like the 60s or 70s when the big night was women's roller well, derby. When, when Indy said that to me, it struck me as like, oh. Like, people still do that? That happens? That's, that's yes, a, they do. That's a thing. And it's, according to you, it's fucking packed. Yes, it was. This was an, ex, a, it was an exhibition match, really. It was the Long Island Roller Rebels. Indy Johnson, I believe, was the captain of the team. She okay. was the one who invited us down to see it. Go, Indy. And uh, so it was like an exhibition uh, match between, you know, the same team, just broke up into two separate teams. So, so is there a league? Oh, yeah, there is a whole, there is a league and stuff. There are other teams, I guess, throughout the metropolitan area that they play against. That fascinates me. Right? And like I said, we got there and we were told, get there early because of parking. And we were like, well, how full can it get its roller derby well thank god we got there early because we got a parking spot in the front and we were lucky to because it was packed already there was a line of people waiting to get inside yeah 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 and we were told bring lawn chairs with you for seating otherwise you have the bleacher seating was it inside fun. it's it inside, be, yeah, it this, inside. inside this inside this building really loud it's in not a roller really ring. loud it, it's in a big it, there's basically there were like two roller rinks there basically uh and they had the one you know that was closed off and the one that was being used for the match and everything so what's a match it's basically it's broken up into two periods uh that each period is 30 minutes each and on the team no matter what happens 30 minutes you got 30 minutes that's it i yep. love that yeah. i love that about soccer too yep so they have what they call on the team they have what they call jammers okay and they're the ones who are they're the ones who basically score the points by getting past the other team the opposing teammates what they call the blockers okay so stop yes how do you achieve a point by getting past the blockers and making one complete oscillation around the track then. So you get a point for that, or a certain number of points. Okay, so that's the point of the game. Right, and there's also a player called the Pivot, 
who can become a jammer. They have to like trade off their gear or whatever to signify that they're now the jammer. Now the only player who can do that is the pivot. The blocks, the blockers cannot become a jammer. And a jammer, a jammer does what? A jammer pushes forward. Y yeah, they're supposed to get through or around they, the blockers. They're to get through. Yep. And then there are blockers on the other team that are there they're to, to block stop them. the jammer. Yeah. And okay, so the same thing is happening on the other side. Exactly. Okay, so they're trying to get past each other to get full yep. around. And they're and all on the same track. Right, right. Okay. Right. I, uh, yeah. So your own team is going in the opposite direction. No, no, no. They're going in the same direction as you. So you're all basically in the same area blocking each other's jammers. Okay. Okay. Exactly. Okay. Coming from all sides. Right. And you got to get around. Yep, exactly. And in the meantime, there's disco music playing. Uh, I don't remember music playing so much. I was busy watching the match. So. Okay. Okay, no, so, no, Steven, so my husband just verified there was no music playing during the match. Okay, <laughs> so probably not like a, a, a mirror ball, not that kind of. Thing. I didn't know nothing like that. This is nothing like you'd see in the movies. Okay, so this is vicious. This is this is well, actually, no, it's not like a blood sport or anything like that. Although in the second period, there was probably more physical contact between the two teams. Well, that makes because sense. Because, you know, they're trying to score more and stuff, you know? Right. But it's not like portrayed in the movies where everyone's elbowing and spitting out blood. It's generally not like that. Okay, so now let me ask you this. Okay. Is only one person allowed to, like, can a blocker score a point? No. Only jammers can score only points. Only jammers. So you have to differentiate who your jammer is. Yes. And they usually have some kind of insignia on their helmet. Okay, how many, a star. how many people are on each side? I think there's like three to five jammers. I'm not, I think there's, th I'm not sure how many, I mean, there's only one jammer, there's one pivot, and I think it's like three to five blockers. Okay, is there anything else beyond the pivot? Because this is getting really long, but No, nope, that's it. Those are the only players. And the pivots do what again? They're the only player that can become a jammer. From being a blocker, exactly. They'll have like they'll have a stripe on their helmet indicating okay. that they're the pivot. Okay, so everybody. Okay, so so uh, all right. Uh, you got another signs. You got another stripes. You got to know what the flag. Yeah, there's mean. a whole. There's a whole, there is a strategy yeah, yeah, to, to, the, to the, it. To the whole, it's the whole not just thing. Okay. running through crowds of people. You know, it's not okay. like that really. So what about five or six girls on each side? Yeah, I'd say about that. Yeah, yeah, that's a good approximation. Damn. Yeah, so that was exciting. That was very interesting was to watch. Was it high scoring? Yes. I mean, they were scoring like in the hundred. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Who the fuck is keeping track but of that? I don't know what the scoring system is, like how many points they get and under what circumstances okay. they get those points. I'm saying who's going to look at a dozen or more? Well, you, there's like but there's like three like three or four referees out there watching this whole thing. Okay, wow. It's not just it's like one referee out there. There's like three or four out there. Uh, and now they like the crowd is screaming. And they out. usually they're yeah, the crowd's on the outside, the referees are on the on the inside of the track generally. How big was the crowd? Oh you said it was huge. Yeah it was. Okay, it was right. huge. I was yeah, okay. I was shocked by how huge it was it's the very, place was full. Obviously very popular, you okay, know okay. that's fun. Yeah, it was. So that was cool. Excellent. That was our weekend. Okay. Good for you. So, should we move on to our first segment then? Mm. Mm. Yes, it's time for a little heavy petting. Yes, it is. And I have a story for you I today. Do. You do have a story for me today. All right, now I have to behave. Uh, yes, you do. It's about dogs and dementia. Okay. It seems that there are these two studies going on. One was a study involved dogs, over 15,000 of them. And there was another study being conducted of over 78,000 men and women. And they were basically researching the effect of dementia on people and dogs. Because dogs, believe it or not, can develop dementia. It's called cognitive canine dysfunction. 
And symptoms of it are if they get lost in their own homes, if they walk into walls or doors, if they're staring off blankly, if they stop responding to demands. Same as it is in the isolate themselves. Same as it is in humans. Exactly. So they found that basically from all these dolls, from found the 15,000 of them, they did like, I guess, questionnaires to the owners. And based on the information they had, 1.5% of the dogs turned out to have dementia. 1.5% of the dogs that were surveyed that took part in this test okay. and everything. And the primary factors in determining this were the dog's age and the amount of physical activity it gets, which is the same thing for exactly. people. Exactly. So it's same a mammalian thing, thing. Yep. But it found that dogs that were inactive were nearly 6.5 times more likely to have dementia, dementia than highly active dogs of the same age. Now, they're saying basically what's a good amount of time of, of exercise. They're saying for humans, it's basically 150 minutes per week of moderate exercise, which if you broke it down in terms of being with a dog, it's five 30-minute walks with your dog. Right. A brisk walk, not a leisurely pace, but a brisk walk with your dog. So that's one, one way to maintain exercise, not only for yourself, but for your dog. That's fascinating. Right? That's amazing. Yes. I think um, if you had... Uh, a lot of people who have had older dogs would have said, well, yeah, duh. Yeah. Because you see it happening. It's the same It's the same disease. It's happening uh, at different levels. Like, I don't know, but it's it, you recognize it when you see it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I know. That dog had dementia. You know, there are people who will be able to say that to you flat out. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. So I think it's like what, like, kind of more obvious. I would think in a dog it would be more obvious, you know, more so than in an, even in a human. We know. No, I meant that the assumption that they suffer from dementia should be obvious. Yes, that should be obvious. Okay. You know, by exhibiting the behavior, you know, that I just listed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they did a study on it. Yep. And 1.5 of them had definitely had dementia. 1.5% of the dogs surveyed had dementia. And you don't know how many dogs? Uh, That was like over 15,000 dogs. 15,000. 1.5% of 15,000 dogs. Yep. I don't know what that comes out to, but... I I was... You do the math. That's not my forte. That's hilarious right there. (laughs) I'll do the math. Yeah, so that's the latest study. So keep exercising with your dog. It's good for both you and your dog. Okay. Every day, at least 150 minutes per week. Healthy advice from our resident looker-upper. Yes. (laughs) And reader of scripts. Do you you do hear that ringing, right? Yes, I do. Do, That's, you, do you know what's causing it? Yes, my husband has something in the oven. Okay, I believe he is he baking is cookies, cookies yes. that you brought over. Yes, I'm looking forward to having those. Yeah, they're, they're delicious. Shall yes. I go on now to my dictionary of dogs, my compendium of canines? Okay, here's the thing. I'm, I'm gonna hit it back to you. I have a Louis story. <laughs> you have a Louis story. So you you work it out. Okay. You want to do campaign of dogs? Well, we can do to... both. Uh, we're gonna do both. We're gonna I'm do tell both. You my then. Fucking... then you tell me the Louis story first. The bitch has decided for the last three nights that he sleeps on the bed. Okay. I've never had a dog sleep on the bed. Really? I don't love having a dog sleep on the bed. Okay. And why is that? Because they're big. They're in the way. Well, the dogs you have are big. And this is a forty-pound dog. And he, we have our little Abigail. She sleeps with us every night. Yeah. If I, anything, I, we get in her way. <laughs> and she ends up coming in here into her bed. Yeah, and he, he gets down, but he it's never happened before. It never happened for more than... Like, he has fallen asleep on the bed. Right. And then gone away onto the bed. Right. But he has decided that 
Um, now, does he go to bed when you go to bed, or is he already in bed when you get there? We don't go to bed like that. Okay. Well, I, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's not like we, okay, let's go to bed. Okay. You know, he when he falls asleep, he falls asleep. Okay. So, but so, so, so like this, does he crawl in the bed after you get in the bed? Well, he's probably on the bed right now. Oh, okay. But when I'm there, it's me first. So, okay. But it's just weird that, again, he, the behavior has just changed seemingly on a dime. Where, no, I like to sleep in a pier now, three nights in a row. If Louie does something three times, four times in a row, then it's a new behavior. Yeah, well, he's getting older, and he probably... Probably being up high gives him a better perspective of things around him, well, you know? Yeah, probably. While he's asleep, it can make may give him a feeling of security. He's also a brat. <laughs> I think all dogs are brats. So, I, it's weird having a dog sleep. I, I, Pickering didn't sleep with me. I never had a dog sleep in bed with me. I I, I don't know. Nothing with Abigail. Like when, we fr- when we first got Abigail, we tried to train her to sleep. She was originally in a crate and everything, so that wasn't a big deal. Eventually, we took her out of the crate and we started training going into her bed but she wouldn't stay in the bed she'd always want to come up into our bed so eventually we just relented and now she'll well, be now she'll be in bed before we get in right. bed she'll be asleep on our pillows right. it's like when she knows you're up. going yep no, no, this is like hours before. Oh, okay. So when she's ready for bed, she goes to bed. <laughs> yes, she does. Ah, uh, yeah, that's you know. But yeah, no, we're used to her now being in bed with us. Doesn't doesn't bother us. If anything, we bother her. Well, that's one thing. He's he's at my feet. Okay. He hasn't. He has. It's not like he's under the covers, which is the problem. Okay. Because when I move. And when I sleep, I move. Um, I disrupt him on the blanket. Okay. On the outside of the blanket. Yes. Yeah, it, it disturbs me. Okay. You know, the, the tight, I can't just wrap my, you know, all of a sudden there's <laughs> fucking 40 pounds. I'm trying to cover myself. Uh, and then, like, did you react the same way when you slept with people? No, it was different because they didn't growl at you when you came back into the bed and tried to get the covers over yourself. <laughs> Which is what this little fuck does. Oh, poor Louie. Poor Louie. Poor Louie, my ass. He's, he's slowly taking over. Of course. That's what happens. <laughs> he's going to be five next month. Wow. Five. Yep. Yeah, Abigail's, what, I think about nine or ten now. She's not that old. Yes, she is. You're all old in this house. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. So what's the next pet number? What, what? Oh, we're up to the letter J in our dictionary of dogs. J, okay. All right. Let's see if you can guess it in three guesses. I, I'm not going to need three guesses because I can't think of three J dogs. Okay. Off the top of my head. J dogs. Um, Jack Russell Terrier. Bingo! That's, you got it on the first guess. My this, God. This is not the first time that you have brought up a Jack Russell Terrier. We have mentioned it in passing in other references. Okay. But yes, we're now up the letter J and doing the Jack Russell Terrier. Okay. Do you know how it got its name? Some guy named Jack. Well, um, yes, it was a person named the Reverend John Russell, who was a parson and a hunting enthusiast. Okay. And in 1819, he purchased a small white and tan terrier, female a terrier. You know what that female's name was? Louis. Trump. That's funny. <laughs> Bought this dog from a local mil- uh, milkman because uh, Russell thought that this was his ideal fox terrier. So she became the basis for a breeding program to develop a terrier with a high stamina for hunting, as well as the courage to chase out foxes that had gone underground into their burrows or whatever. So the Jack Russell dolls we have today... They are pretty similar in physical appearance to the original, but they have not been able to trace the pedigree directly back to the originals. But they think, you know, somewhere along the way that they are traced back from the originals. 
Okay. And they're sturdy, tough, tenacious dogs. They measure between 10 and 15 inches at the withers. At the withers. And they weigh between 14 and 18 pounds. How many inches between your withers? Mm, wouldn't you like to know? <laughs> <laughs> Let me see your measuring stick. Who was it said the giant sucking sound? <laughs> I, I don't remember now. Anyway. Anyway, these dogs can have either a smooth coat or a rough coat or a combination of the two, which is known as a broken coat. They are uh, they were originally bred to go after foxes and chase them out of their dens, and they can live from 13 to 16 years. Wow. They're extremely intelligent. They're athletic, fearless, and vocal dogs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they can become moody or destructive if they are not properly stimulated and exercised. Jack Russell Terrier tell you to shut up. Exactly. Uh, and they also said that these are not good dogs for condominiums or apartments because these dogs need the activity... And if you're willing, unless you're willing to devote all that time stimulating your dog outside in the city, yeah, that's yeah. You know, don't don't get one for your apartment. <laughs> whatever you do, they suffer from a common disorder called lens luxation, which is when the lens of their eye becomes displaced. Okay, and in that's some awful. in some cases that can lead to glaucoma or even partial or full blindness. Okay, that's terrible. But they, that can be treated by medications and or surgery. Too. Why do you let me get to how terrible it was before you said? But they can cure. Right. Yes, they can. Well, okay. you should be aware of it. As a, I agree. I think it's the way you set it up so that I have to be sad before uh, you deliver the punch of it. Oh, but they can do. You know, it's like you're coming in on a cake with your hands on your waist. <laughs> Among the more popular or famous Jack Russell Terriers was, of course, Nipper, who was the dog. It was the inspiration for a painting called "Dog Looking at and Listening to a Phonograph" that was later renamed. His master's voice. So, that's the thing about these little terriers. Yep. They're great little dogs. Yes. But they're nippy. Yes, they can be. Okay. And and nippy's the perfect name for that dog. Nipper. Like they, this little, was Nipper, yeah. Nipper, yeah. 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 They're, they're those type of dogs. The terriers. Little, little... Yeah. They speak their mind. Oh, bitch. Yeah, let you know. Another famous uh, Jack Russell terrier was Eddie on the sitcom Frasier. I loved Eddie. Played by two dogs, actually. He was played by a dog Bear. named Moose. Oh, Moose. And also played by Moose's son, Enzo. Okay, fine. <laughs> Enzo. So Whenever dog... I hear Enzo, I just think of Enzo the Baker from The Godfather. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's what it means. I don't know. Enzo. Lorenzo. Vincenzo. What, right? what was his name? Enzo? Enzo. 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 But... Recently, there's been a more popular Jack Russell Terrier going around. During the recent Russian invasion of Ukraine, a two-year-old Jack Russell Terrier named Patron has been working with ah. uh, the government, the Ukraine military, to snuff out Russian explosives. As of April, it had located nearly 90 explosives, and in May, it was President Zelensky of Ukraine awarded Patron the Order of Courage for his service to Ukraine. Absolutely. And what happened? Courage, what was his dog's name? Patron. Patron was doing everything it ever wanted to do. Yeah. Having the time of his life. Yep. Just having a good time. Here's a picture of Patron. There we go. There's Patron. What a cute dog, right? Adorable. And he's become, of course, he's, this dog has become very popular now worldwide. So it's like, yeah, hey, cool for you. Good for you, Patron. Yay, Patron. Yeah. How many times have the night ended badly after first first saying, yay, Patron? (laughs) And then (laughs) the next thing you know, you wake up in the back of a car. Yeah, that's a patron of a different color. Yeah, that's, yeah. 
We now move on to our next segment. Do they make happy birthday. Longer? Many happy returns. A very happy birthday. Yes, it's time once again for today's birthdays. Yeah. And there's only one birthday we're putting on this list today. Yeah. And of course, the person's dead. Okay, yeah. Let me see if you know. I don't know if you're going to know his name or not. Okay, it's hard to tell through the cigarette. <laughs> I'm dick. You're supposed to light the cigarettes when I'm talking. He's known as the father of the blues. He was the first to publish music in the blues form, thereby taking the blues from a regional music style known as the Delta Blues and wrote, brought it to a whole new level of popularity. He was born in Alabama, November 16th, 1873. He was a son of a pastor who thought musical instruments were tools of the devil. Okay, so, though. so, of course, his son learned to play the guitar, organ, trumpet, and cornet. Okay, I'll show you. During the 1900s, he played a lot in Mississippi, where he developed his own 12-bar blues style. All right. And then he eventually moved to Memphis, Tennessee, where he began publishing songs. What was his name? We haven't told you his name yet. His first big hit was Memphis Blues. Oh, God. In 1917, he moved his publishing company to Manhattan, where among the songs he published were Beale Street Blues and St. Louis Blues. I love St. Louis Blues. Right. In 1920s, he started his, his own recording company. From 1943 until his death, he lived in Yonkers. He became blind after an accidental fall from a subway platform in 1943. That's horrifying. After the death of his first wife, he remarried in 1954 when he was 80 years old. Oh, God. He, his, his bride was his secretary. Okay, who else would there be? Right. in 19, nurse. In 1955, he had a stroke and he began to use a wheelchair. And he died in 1958 of bronchial pneumonia in New York City. Over 25,000 people attended his funeral at Harlem's Abyssinian Baptist Church, and over 150,000 people gathered in the streets near the church to pay their respects. And he was buried in Woodlawn Cemetery in the Bronx. His name? William Christopher Handy, also known as W.C. Handy. W.C. Handy. Are you familiar with W.C. Handy? I, I I will tell you the truth. I am more familiar with W.C. Handy's work than I am with W.C. Handy. I've never heard of this person, so I. but I am familiar with the work of which you are speaking, of which he had something in creating. Ah, yes. So that's how I affirmatively respond to a name I've never heard of before. Well, I actually... I actually found a video of him doing what? Playing the cornet on a 1949 appearance on the Ed Sullivan Show. Seventy-five years old at the time of this. That is yep. a seventy-five-year-old man. That's a seventy-five-year-old man. Oh, right kick here. me in the knickers. Yeah, amazing, right? Okay, damn. Yeah, so that's something else. The WC Handy, we say. We now move on to our next segment. Bring out today. Oh, he died. Bring out today. Here's what. 
Yes, here's one indeed. Happened today, actually. Oh, somebody died today? Yes. I don't know if you're going to know him or not. Well, then why am I getting all horrified? Well, you might know him. Okay. Death and it's sad, and I feel bad. Okay. He was born in but Paris. But hyped it up like such a thing. He was born in Paris, France on March 1st, 1926. Oh, dear. He was old. He was the youngest of 14 children in a Jewish family, 10 of whom died in the Holocaust. Okay. At the age of 12, he began a career singing professionally on a French radio station. In 1942, he was deported to a concentration camp and later sent to the Buchenwald concentration camp, where he stayed until April of 1945. While he was there, he was singing to an audience of SS soldiers every Sunday, which he said partly why he survived being in the camp. He was alive. After getting out, he uh, found out that only three of his siblings had, had also survived the Holocaust. The rest of his family was totally wiped out, mostly wow. at Auschwitz. After the war, he be- returned to singing, and his songs were popular both in France and the United States. And he was from France. Yep. He appeared in a number of variety shows on TV, and eventually appeared on Broadway in the New Faces of Broadway, 1952. Oh, dear. From 1965 to 1971, he played Corporal Louis Lebeau on Hogan's Heroes. Oh, damn. This is playing a French POW as a member of an allied sabotage group operating from inside the camp. That's hysterical, and I don't know that show near as well as I should. Okay, well, he was the one with the French accent, obviously. (gasps) That may be my introduction into that that silly app that I made fun of you for, Tubi. Oh, Tubi. Yes, I'm sure it's on there. I'm sure that we'd be surprised if they have Hogan's Heroes rerun on there. Okay, we'll look for that. But he was the last surviving original cast member from Hogan's Heroes. He later appeared on the daytime serials The Bold and the Beautiful and Days of Our Lives. Oh, nice. And his name was Robert Clary. Robert Clary died today? Yep. Are you kidding me? Yep. I used to watch him on Days of Our Lives. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Well, I didn't either. This, was, really back, this was back in the night. I think the 80s or 90s he was on there. <sighs> That's when it was worth watching soap operas. Now they don't even <laughs> exist anymore. I know, they're I know. They're, they're a shadow of them for their former selves. There's, there's, they don't even, there's not enough of them to cast a shadow. They don't happen anymore. I know. They don't. They really don't. So, anyway, Robert Clary, we say rest in peace. Thank you for your art. We now move on to our next segment. Today in History. What happened? Today in history, November 16th, 1959, this musical opened at the Lundfontein Theater on Broadway. It ran for 1,443 performances. The Sound of Music. The Sound of Music is correct. I know. Do you know who the original stars were of the Broadway production? The original Maria on opening night of The Sound of Music? No, I cannot. That was Mary Martin. It was Mary Martin, okay. And Theodore Bikel played Captain Von Trapp. I always forget about Mary Martin. Uh, yeah, I know. It's like, it's a name. Like, yeah, she's she a Broadway legend. She, she fall, did yeah. so many shows. She falls between the cracks of, like, Ethel. Because she's not known as a diva, you know? Uh, okay. She doesn't have that reputation like Ethel or Patti LuPone. Uh, yeah. You know? Well, they were doing a whole lot of them were nice and... and uh, uh, they were. Yes, definitely. I'm assuming Mary Martin was one of them. I'm sure she was. She, she, you know, I should be much more aware of her than I am. Well, now you're a little more aware tonight. I appreciate her contribution. So do I. It was. This was the last musical written by Rodgers and Hammerstein. In fact, Oscar Hammerstein died of stomach cancer nine months after the Broadway premiere. It couldn't have been that bad. <laughs> 
You're so bad. It was nominated for nine Tony Awards and won five of them, including Mary Martin for Best Leading Actress in a Musical. It tied for Best Musical. Do you know what the show it tied with? My Fair Lady. No. That's later on. Uh, just shut up. <laughs> what show? What? We're talking about... 19... Well, Nin this would be probably 1960 when they did the Tony Awards. It's for the, the 1959 music, season. Sound the Music against 1960 uh, Camelot. Nope. I'll give you a hint. It's named after Romare. Oh, Fiorello. Fiorello is correct. And they tied for best musical. They tied? Yes, they did. Who wrote Fiorello? I don't know off the top of my head. And who wrote The Sound of Music? Rogers and Hammerstein. So much for your ties. No, I, I don't I don't know who wrote Fiorello, but um, I recognize that a lot of people enjoy it. Yes, they do. It's probably one of those shows that's just now too dated, but I yeah. don't know who wrote it. Well, let's find out right now. We'll go to the Wayback Machine. Ah. That was actual typing, ladies Lyric, and gentlemen. Lyric, Sheldon Harnick. Oh. Music by Jerry Bach. Okay, I am. Book by Jerome Weedman and George Abbott. See, this is another thing that you're, you're exposing that my woeful, inadequate knowledge of. What's that? Block and Harnick. I wouldn't say I'm a big Block and Harnick aficionado, you know? Yeah, I'm not an aficionado. I'm a fan, though. Yes, they are good. There's no denying that. Yeah. No denying that. So that's what happened today on November 16th, 1959. But in the meantime, we're going to move on to our next session. Segment. What day is it? Could you please tell me? What day is it? I've got to do say. Yes, it's time for What Day Is It? Okay. And today... Um, yes, I'm sorry, did I interrupt you? I want time to guess. If you're going to present it like a fucking game show host... I want my time to, re to to take a guess. Okay. What day is it? Yes. Okay. Today is the International Day of Tulips. Nope. You're cold. You're not even close. Okay. It's a leather-bound book day. Nope. 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 Okay. Oh, go ahead. One more. Oh, you're not going to think oh, of another guess? I'll another one, yeah. One um, more. You get three guesses. Okay. Uh, National Fedora Day. <laughs> No, I wish there was. That's romantic, isn't it? <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah. I love fedoras. Like National Fedora Day. No, today is International Check Your Wipers Day. Check Your Wipers. Did you know that about 21% of all accidents in the United States are weather-related? I would imagine they would be. And per a Michelin survey, 90% of drivers do not take the time to check their wipers, and 55% don't know how to check their wiper blades properly. I bet it's not too difficult, though. It shouldn't be too difficult. No. But really. it's also recommended that wiper blades be changed every 6 to 12 months. So you do it when you change your clocks. There are certain <laughs> that I'm going to change the clock box. I'm going to check the batteries. I'm going to change the sheets. I'm going to make sure that the car has the... What, wiper blades. The wiper blades. Wiper right. Blades. I'm going to check the tire pressure. All that day. That's what I'm going to do. I'm busy that day. I got all these little things I have that you do every six months. Yes. And they all... That's, that's when... That's so you remember when they turn the clock back. On. When the yeah. government says no, bitch, it's gonna be dark now. Uh, that's when you're like, okay, what do I do now? So yeah, you should have you know all plant okay. ready, ready to go. Yes, definitely. When's the last time you changed your windshield wipers? Actually, I'm having my car inspected. Ooh. So well, they get they sent you email now. It's so convenient. Yes, right. Yeah, you know, something else to just notate. You know what's good about them though? They put the title in the in the subject line. Okay. The subject line is so important. Do you know what I mean? Like they, when they say. First chance, first warning to tell you that you're, that you're, okay, well, first reason is it's going to be a sack. 
So you ignore. And the, but the subject line is good. So so yeah, he'll do it when when he inspects it if it's not good. Yeah. He'll let you know then. No, he'll do it because he could charge me for it. Yeah, exactly. Of course. So, yeah. you know. But it's very important. Then. Where else am I going to go? I don't know. I like him, though, Chuck. He's a nice guy. Chuck, that's his name? Chuck, Chuck. You're nice look. Chuck the mechanic. Chuck. It's Chuck's auto body shop. Ooh. Shit, I'm sorry, Chuck. I'm, I'm totally failing you. <laughs> Chuck's, it's right there. Right you can't even do a decent pitch for Chuck's auto body parts. I, it's not auto body parts. Well, maybe it is auto body parts. Oh, is it auto mechanic? <laughs> auto, I don't know. Sorry, Chuck, but you do good work and you're a good guy. Thank you, Chuck. Thanks, Chuck. But anyway, Chuck will do it. Good to know. <laughs> Shit. Uh, well, we could move on to our next segment, which, of course, is turn your heading call. <laughs> but... It, it pretty much covers somewhat of what we discussed in um, uh, Heavy Petting about dementia. Dementia. So and about keeping a healthy brain. Story. But what this article says was talking about this other study in, that, people, that they did. And they found that at least a half an hour of power walking or jogging four to five times a week promoted better blood flow in and out of the brain among a small group of older adults. It seems that the brain requires about 20% of the body's total blood. But as they get older, the blood starts to flow less freely in and out of the brain and develops a condition called cerebrovascular impedance. So this means the brain is receiving less oxygen nutrients and it also means that less toxins are being removed from the brain. So they did a study of 72 people between the ages of 60 and 80. Half of them were assigned to an aerobic exercise group and the other half were assigned to a group that performed stretching and toning exercises. And the aerobics group started with three half-hour exercise sessions a week that gradually increased to four or five sessions. And after a year of exercise, they performed brain scans and arterial tests. And they found that the aerobics group showed a significant improvement in brain flow, but the stretching and toning group did not. Okay. So this means no matter what your age, it's never too late to start exercising and how important it is. Okay. Right? Do that. How much exercise do you get per week? I walk the dog. Me too. I work. Okay. Um, I do not. I do, you know what? This is part of my personal health history, and I don't think we're allowed to talk about it in the workplace. <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't realize that asking you about exercise was such part of your confidential medical history. It, of course it is, and yours should be too. Why? Because fuck you. What do you? What do you care? What do you care? What, you don't have any right to know. I just asked. That's all. And I'm telling you. Oh my god. I think it's inappropriate in the workplace. Jeez. They'll tell me who ass you ate. You ate out, but you won't tell me if you exercise. Don't or make not. me. Don't make me go to human resources. <laughs> We all hate her, so <laughs> don't make me do it. Instead, we'll move on to our next segment, wherein we take a look into my briefs. Anyway, we have some good news today, and when well, we take a look into my briefs. Good news from looking to my good briefs. Good news. The they Senate, finally got that cleared up. The huh? Senate today, the U.S. Senate, had a procedural motion on this bill. It's a bill that will protect... Not only same-sex marriage, but interracial marriage. And it's already been passed in the House, so now it went to the Senate for this procedural vote to see if it could beat a, a filibuster. 
and it passed uh, by a vote of 62 to 37, which means 12 Republican senators crossed the aisle and voted for this legislation. Good so, for them. So yeah. now what happens is... They shouldn't get a stuffer of the day for doing their job. If, it, if it's something you can agree with, then yeah, all right, let's do that. Well, the reason why they're passing this bill is thanks to good old Supreme Court Justice... Clarence Thomas. Clarence Thomas, of him threatening to overturn same-sex marriage in the Obergefell, the Obergefell decision, or Obergefell decision, I should say. Obergefell. Oh, I can never say it right. Oh, yeah, it's a hard one. I'm terrible at it. But anyway, they're saying um, once the bill passes the Senate, which will probably occur after Thanksgiving... It has to go back to the House then for final passage, and it'll then go to Biden's desk for signature. Can I tell you the truth? Yes. Stephen put the cookies in. Yes. And I ate one while you were talking. I know. And I didn't hear a fucking word you said. <laughs> and all I want right now is another cookie. They're, you go right ahead. I'll keep talking then. Uh, you know, no doubt. It's just that they're very delicious. Cookies. So what the bill would do is it would not set a national requirement that all states must legalize same-sex marriage. Oh, okay. But it would require individual states to recognize, to recognize another state's marriages, oh, okay. same-sex or not. So this way... People can travel. They can move. They yep. could... You know, be free about and their the marriages country, will still be recognized. And their marriages are recognized. This is assuming, of course, that the Obergefell decision is overturned, and thereby allowing states then to make their own laws. But here's the thing: yes, Obergefell, yes, also has something to do with the interracial marriages, doesn't it? This is covered by this bill as well. Interracial marriage. It covers interracial marriage as well as same-sex marriage. And Justice Thomas has a white wife, mm-hmm. so he is interracially married. How do you put it so that nobody gets? The panties and no, he has. He's an, he, he has a white wife. He's a white wife, and the thing is, in his concurring opinion in the Dobbs case, he had written that. Oh, we should take a look at same-sex marriage and this case and that case. Right. He conveniently left out Loving versus Loving, Virginia, okay. which recognized interracial marriage. Okay. And being how, constitutional, right? How, how does that fit into Obergefell? Well, the thing, the hypocrisy. Like, he says, like, oh, you're going to rule against these, but don't, don't touch interracial marriage. In order, to get, in order to get the gays out, he would have to go in with such sur- surgical precision mm-hmm. into that to remove it by itself. Yeah. And... He just might. Why wouldn't he? He's got uh, he's got five other voices on the Supreme Court. Yeah, but I don't think they're going to go for it. They won't go for it. I think you're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I think maybe get three or four votes. That'd be about it. Alito definitely would be one of them. Gorsuch maybe, but doubtful. The Trump three. Oh, Barrett and Kavanaugh? Yeah. I'm not so sure about them either. You would think, right? Being who they are, just... I know, but... Relatively young people alive and aware in America. Right. uh, In this century. Yeah. But an interesting thing about this legislation... Educated. I mean, those bitches went to school, right? They got law degrees. Yes, they did. Are they all lawyers? Yes, they are. But what I wanted to note was this legislation, this bill has been supported officially by the Mormon Church. Okay. They actually came out and said, we support the passage of this bill. When I asked you if uh, what we were talking about, did you tell me? I have a sense I should be like kind of shocked by the Mormon Church doing something. I, I, I'm not following along. So I'm Obviously try- not, you dickhead. I'm trying to do the math in my head now. So is it the, the Mormon Church and even they, was that what you meant? It was like, even they said, no, you got to do this thing. Uh, they weren't against it. I'll explain it in terms that even you can understand. How very... You see, uh, back in like 2008, the Mormon Church was a big supporter of what was known as Proposition 8. I remember, I Which remember. was the bill to prohibit 
uh, which is going to define marriage between a man and a woman. Okay, so they have a history of not of not wanting. And they supported gay that bill, married. and the bill passed based on their religious preferences. And because of that, there were lots of protests against the Mormon Church. Even I took part in one of those protests. Okay, even you. Yep. Okay, you got off your fat ass and went outside. Damn right. <laughs> There's pictures of me and Stephen in the Daily News carrying the banner. Oh dear! Yeah, that's not the, the one Mormon church center in Manhattan. That's not the one where you were naked, was it? <laughs> no, 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 hardly. That's, that was a scary one. But anyway, they've now come around fourteen years later in support of this bill. Okay, because what they're basically saying is, all right, this bill does not force us to perform same-sex marriage. Right, right, right. But that doesn't mean you can't have one if I can't perform it. Exactly. That's right. The state of Utah would still have to, even if the state of Utah chose not to recognize same-sex marriage being performed in their own state, they would have to recognize same-sex marriages performed in other states. And the Mormons aren't up in their arms against all that. No, they aren't. They're not clutching their pearls. They're saying, no, this should be a thing. This is right. This yeah. is Okay, so good for the Mormons. Yeah, it's, they've it's... come a long way in 14 ah, years. This issue, They're not clear. You know, they still view homosexual acts as a sin, you know? It's so... The, the Mormons, you know, they're a thing. But they've even allowed children of same-sex couples to get baptized in the Mormon church. Okay, okay. See, to me, I don't know, it just... <clears throat> Should the child suffer for the sins of the father? Like, just because my parents... Hello, when I woke up that day, right. there were these two women there. So, they raised me, and that's been my life. Yes. And so, because of that, you are ineligible for privileges in our community. Right. But now, that's changed. Okay. At least as far as baptism goes. Okay. So, that's a good thing. They're making progress. Slowly but surely. Oh, okay. No, see, that's again. This is not a slowly thing. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? That is a that that's just uh, an antiquated world mind view that you can just like when people say you have to respect them because it's just, it's just religion. It's, it's the no, I don't. No, see, I don't. I don't have to respect your religion. It, 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 um... But as far as organized religion goes, with all its many many faults, this is a big step. For an organized religion to make. Okay, okay. You cut that off really well, and, and for that I'm grateful, probably. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it's a, very, it's a very good boy Mormons. Good boy. Yes. Nice. Keep up the good work. Right, we're going to learn to, tomorrow. We'll be watching. We're going to not piddle on the, on the carpet <laughs> tomorrow. We'll play some Osmonds tomorrow. And, you know, <laughs> come, come on. Yes, it's time once again for the Week in Fascism. Okay. And of course, the big news. Former president and fascist Republican leader Donald Trump announced his campaign to run for president again. Now, it's kind of sad. But what it does is... Okay, I have a lot of feelings about this. Well, we both actually watched, I think you and I are like among the few people who actually watched the speech or listened to the speech. I watched the speech until they cut back to Anderson at the studio, which evidently is moments in, like, most people, like, most of the networks did exactly that. Yeah, because he spoke for an hour. Yeah, yeah. And I I listened to the whole hour. Yeah, I didn't watch it, but I did listen to it, and and, um, uh, clearly the man's insane. He's playing a lot of his golden oldies, you know? Yeah, yeah, but um, that, that during his presidency... For the decades, there were no war for decades during his pregnancy. During his Dur- presidency. During the decades. During the decades. decades. Right, what did I say? Uh, during his presidency. Okay, uh, yeah. never mind. He yeah. saying there was no war for decades. No war for decades. While he like, was- yeah, you were president for four years. While he was president. <laughs> 
Um, okay, yeah, but he's just, you know what it is? It's so sad because now the Republicans are saying, okay, well, bitch, you didn't produce in this midterm election. So now you sit down and you be quiet. Well, that's the thing. He was a drag on the 2018 midterm elections, and he's been a drag on these midterm elections. Yeah. It's, you know, it's twice, not to mention being a drag on his party in the 2020 presidential election. Yeah, he's, a, well, he's he's dragging the whole, in every conceivable way, financially, morally, they, they, he's bringing that whole organization down uh, to his level, and they finally, I think, maybe said, you don't, well, no. What happens is he, he doesn't have the power anymore, and he can't produce. Yeah. So he's useless to them. So now, you can go ahead and babble, and we're going to run this guy this other guy, okay, and you and your people go ahead and babble, and you, you, and I think that's what's happening. Okay, and I think such a thing is always so shameful because they 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 supported him, and now they're turning their back on him. Yeah. Okay. So, and I then I understand it's just a business. Of course. Okay. So no, no worries, Donald. We love you. We think you're great. We'll see you down there in Miami, but uh, just business. Yeah. It's just business. Yeah. I mean, they're afraid of him being a drag now on the runoff election in Georgia between Herschel Walker and uh, Warnick yeah. because of him making this announcement that he's running again. This th- They wanted him to wait till afterwards. Nope, he couldn't wait. It's a train wreck. It's a train wreck for him. And as long as the Republican Party holds on. The Democrats are happier about this than the Republicans this are. This has been a fantastic month for the Democrats. Yeah. The Republicans are now, after this election, after he couldn't produce, now they're saying, we don't want anything to do with you because you can't deliver. And he can't stand it. And even the like, the large party donors are running from him now. He's, want to keep reading, you it's, know? It's, I, I predict a crash and burn situation. Well, I like I said, I mean, more than likely it's going to end up being him versus DeSantis in Republican primaries. I don't think the Republicans... DeSantis is definitely going to run. Now, there's two years before they have to make this choice. Well, no, the, 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 the Republicans, the, the parties are going to make the choice about who they're going to run. Not until 2024, at the end of the primary season. Okay. That's always in the summertime, usually. Exactly. I don't think, if he he lasts that long, the Republicans will nominate him. I think as a party, by that time, in in two years' time, they're going to have enough because they're already pushing him away. And they're maybe going to start seeing some success in pushing him away. Yeah. And maybe the Republicans can come back to being people instead of the crazy people down there. In, in but, the, you see, I don't see that happening because it's either they're going to support Trump or they're going to support DeSantis. Exactly. And DeSantis, to me, is just a more refined, sophisticated version of Trump. Okay. Which, at least, there you go, is one tick better. One tick. Not much better. Not much Not much. Actually, better. I, think he, I think he'd be more dangerous, I think, than Trump because... DeSantis actually knows what he's doing. Do you think he could win? DeSantis? Against Joe Biden. It's possible, yeah. I think it's very possible. Do you think it's possible if Donald Trump gets far enough to have his name put on the ballot that DeSantis has any chance of beating Joe Biden for president? You mean if Trump runs as a third-party candidate? Exactly. Then I think whoever the Democratic nominee is is going going to win. It could be anybody. Only once before has a former president run for re-election and won. And that was Grover Cleveland. Okay. He ran once, he won the first time, second time he lost, third time he won and was re-elected again. If DeSantis gets the Republican, I've been saying this, if DeSantis gets the Republican nomination, Trump hopefully will do a third party run, split the support, 
between him and DeSantis, and then the, the Democrat wins. I mean, that doesn't. They, That's we, the best I can hope for. At they this could. Point. They could run Kamala. Kamala, oh, my 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 love. I, I love that woman. Well, let's put it this way: we know Biden's going to run again. I think that's I a given. I think it would be a mistake. I think. I think, especially now after these midterm elections, yes, that's even probably solidified his decision to run even more. I agree because it's going to. Uh, he's got two years. He's got two years of relatively the same sort of thing: breathing space. Yep, he can get a few more judges passed through. Oh, he's going to get plenty of judges passed through because he'll have the right now. They have, it's fifty to forty-nine in the Senate favoring the Democrats. Exactly. Assuming that they win the runoff in Georgia, which it'll is be, no safe bet. It's no safe bet. It'll be fifty-one to forty-nine. But even if they lose, it's the same situation as now. It's split fifty-fifty, exactly. and Harris has a tie-breaking vote. Right. They just can't do things with a with the same sort of uh, you, um, overwhelming, like percentage-wise. They if they had fifty-one, it would be better. They could. They wouldn't have to go to Kamala. Right. Exactly. Exactly. They wouldn't have to rely on her. Right. So it's better for them to have that, of course, but it's that narrow. It's, and thanks to the Republicans much. who wiped out re- the two-thirds voting requirement for federal judges, the Democrats only need majority votes on these uh, federal judge appointments. And in order to get them in the set, well, no, they'll have the majority because they are the majority. They exactly. They have the 51. Exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's a crazy world. Yeah, it's it really crazy, is. And then, then again, we're talking about something that's going to happen. We're anticipating what's going to happen two years from now. I think a lot can happen in two years. You and I both know what two years can do to a face, yep. to an ass, <laughs> to a head of hair, okay, to a set of eyeballs. Well, one thing we know for sure is the Republicans are definitely going to be the majority in the House. It looks like they're going to have... They buy eight seats. They're going to have a jellyfish as the Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy. He's going to crumble so hard. He's going to have to give them the rule that they want. They want to be... What was the rule? Essentially, the rule says that any, any representative at any time can demand a vote of confidence or no confidence of the Speaker. Okay, and the results of that vote depends on whether or not he remains or she remains speaker, or does the party nominate somebody else? I don't know if they do that in the Senate, do they? Yeah, that's where it I've comes seen from. that. In, I've seen that in Parliament, but never in, in British no, Parliament, but I've never seen that in the U.S. Senate. No, because I saw something um, before about it that. I've seen special caucus votes that occur outside of the Senate between, like, the Republican caucus the senators voting on something like that, or the Re- Republican caucus of congressmen voting on that. But I never heard of it being voted on like that in the House, like a vote of confidence like that. And there was a rule. There was a special rule. Maybe there is. I'm just not familiar with it. And Well, they got rid of it. Okay. Maybe that's why I'm not familiar with and it. And now, what, now, <laughs> what, what, what it is now is that it's a tool to bring the rule back for, for in order to get, in order to, in order to, you sell it for your vote. I'll vote for you, but you got to give me the right to say that, well, I want right. to vote for somebody else instead. And nobody, nobody nominated for anything wants to give that up, okay? Because now anybody at any time can say, so they don't want that rule in, but... He's got the, what used to be called, what are they now, the Freedom Caucus? They were the Tea Party at one time. The Freedom Caucus now, yeah. Yeah, the Freedom Caucus. They um, uh, they may make him uh, submit to that for their vote. Of course. And the humiliating thing is he needs that vote because he goes in with only an eight-seat like lead. He's, <coughs> the man's a jellyfish. He's the most feckless Republican leader I've, I've seen in a long time. He really is. 
Can't stand him. Okay. But it could be worse. Could have Speaker of the House Marjorie Taylor Greene or oh, Speaker Jim Jordan. Can you imagine those choices? Did what's her name win? The not Marjorie Taylor Greene. Oh, Marjorie Lauren Boebert? Lauren Boebert. It hasn't been called officially, but the last I saw, she was in the lead. She was going to win. All right. But it, it, it hasn't been officially called yet. And you know what's frustrating is they, they don't see that as, a, okay, okay, this is your last chance, okay? Yeah. yeah they don't see it as people saying... A lot of people about it cut even don't want, don't like you, don't like what you're doing, don't like the thing. So maybe you should take a lesson from that and maybe soften your approach, or maybe change your approach, or maybe get hit in a fiery car wreck. I mean, but no, 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 no. She, you know, winning is winning, which it is. Yeah. Well, I think a lot. I know some people are asking or bringing up the question, like, well, what happens now with the criminal investigations against him by Merrick Garland and Georgia and New York now that he's declared a candidate? And my reaction's been, he's still liable for crim to criminal prosecution. Okay, but what's it shouldn't matter that he's a candidate or not. But okay. The so, only the only negative side is he'll claim it's a it's a political persecution. Yes. That it, you know if he's charged or you know arrested or indicted, he's going to claim that. We already know he's going to claim that. It's a given, and it's you know not necessarily far from wrong. But it's also criminal actions. You know, there's there's political sins, and there I think are the House right criminal. I acts. think the House committee laid out pretty thoroughly that Trump led and organized. This insurrection on January 6th. I don't think there's any denying that. Uh, and he has to be held accountable, you know? And that's I, what it comes down to. I maintain that it is what it, what may be, because I don't know anything, what may be taking Merrick Garlic so long. Merrick Garlic? Merrick Garland. Garland so long <laughs> is that it has never been done before. So there is no legal precedent. Once you have a legal precedent, you could say, yeah, but remember this. And then this is how they did it. And this is what we should start from. Okay. So now he don't have that. And, <coughs> and it's a big deal for him to be able to do what he may be, I don't know, for Merrick Garland feels is the right thing. Well, the closest I have found to anything of a historical precedent of this is Aaron Burr. After he um, engaged in the duel with Hamilton, the, the duel <coughs> took place in New Jersey. Hamilton died in New York. I saw the musical, I know. So both New York and New Jersey brought criminal charges against Burr. Against Burr, right. Burr, of course, took off. He went down to South Carolina. <coughs> laid low. They never <coughs> pursued the charges against him. During the end of his vice presidency, because he was vice president for Jefferson, he was engaging in this plan to buy up land in the southwestern United States and take it over and rule it as his own country. Okay, Aaron Burr. Yep, and okay. he was arrested and tried for treason. Okay. And he was acquitted, and he then took off for Europe for a number of years Well, who after tried that? him? The what? Justice Department tried him? Yes. In a federal court? Yes. And the federal court judge said, or the, and the jury, well, they said... Whatever it was, whatever they acquitted was, him. He uh, was found not okay. guilty. He was of found conspiracy not guilty of conspiracy treason. by the very nature of saying, this is my plot and it's now called. It is treason against So the there United is States. some precedent for pursuing a member of the executive branch. Okay. Even when they're no longer in office. I thought that no longer in office, they revert right back to citizenship. They should, the, but... The, like, that's what happens, right? The, but the, the thing is, as, a plan. as, you know, as we learned with Nixon, no man is above the law, and especially when it comes to criminal law. Uh, no man is above which is what I was saying. The before, law <laughs> that there are he's committing and he's being tried for political crimes. Well, that's what he's going to claim, and he's all there is also a, a matter of some criminal charges that are being brought that are being 
brought and that have been brought and that you're going to two different ways it's two different it's a criminal charge it's not a political thing so you know but don't forget you have this whole criminal investigation from the elections going on in Georgia you have all that's the criminal you have all the the corporate crimes being investigated by Letitia James here in New York and she's not letting that go and then you have Merrick Garland not only in, in, in investigating the Trump's role in the January 6th insurrection, but now also his taking and concealment of all the classified documents down at Mar-a-Lago. Right. So you got a number of fronts going on here. Can we move on to our next segment? I'm not sure yet. Yes, it's time for We Like to Watch. Yeah. And what did you watch new this past week? I am loving The Crown. Yes, we finished it last night. Aren't you just the speedy bunny? Yes, we are. <laughs> um, I have, I, for me, this experience has been one of falling asleep at the last fifteen to twenty minutes of it. So the next night, I have to go back. I have to watch the last episode for okay. about a half hour. So then, then I can. She's amazing. Imelda Stone. Imelda Stone is amazing. Yes. Yeah, I, it's weird how that don't look anything like Charles. No, and there's been a lot of criticism, I understand, of Dominic West playing Charles. I think he's doing a fine job. They're saying that, he had that he had, he makes Charles look more sympathetic in the show. He does make Charles look sympathetic. Charles definitely looks. I mean, the previous actor, I forget his name, who played Charles. Well, it's what he played Charles like a prick. What he's, what he's, <laughs> what he's given. Yeah, maybe Charles in his thirties was a prick. Yeah, maybe this guy is. 50 years old now, 60 years old now. So he's a different guy. I know. But it also, it, this is why I keep telling Stephen, it's a fictionalization. They, of course they, it they is. show Charles discussing with John Major, the, uh, the Queen abdicating. John Major came out and said, uh, that never happened. No, of course we not. We never had a conversation like that. No, there's just enough <laughs> historical accuracy. Yes. To keep you, that you know the story. I mean, when they, you see those one-on-one conversations going on, yeah, you course. know those are not real. No, they're, they're not based on facts. And there's a lot of them. And they wrap them around this factual thing. And what if this happened inside, or, you know, later on, it came out to be true that this happened, so we have to create a conversation when we don't know when it happened, but we got... So that's what they have to do. Yeah. I think it's beautifully done. Every every element of that visually... I like the way they developed the whole five Ed family storyline. Yeah. From the very beginning to where they are at the end of the season. Well, I'm not there yet. Yeah, you'll get there. Because I'm a quick little bunny and I got to go back and watch the last 20 minutes of the episode before. (laughs) On the same night that American Horror Story is released. Ah. So I'm going to be up late. Oh, that's right. Tonight's the uh, season finale tonight. Is it really? Yes. Seven The last two episodes are tonight. Seven and eight? Yeah. The only eight of them? Yep. That's it. Okay. Got to watch those later. Yeah. Definitely. Hurry the fuck up and get to we are the whatever we have to do to get out of here. We're getting there. We're getting there. Yeah, have a good. Anyway, oh, uh, with the crown, last was we watched uh, the early, some of the, I guess it was episodes five and six on Sunday night. And then right afterwards, we watched last week tonight with John Oliver. Oh, God. And what was it all about? The monarchy. Okay. <laughs> I love it's that like, man. oh my god, what a turnaround after watching The Crown and watching this episode of Last Week Tonight. I love John Oliver. He's, I think he's great. He's, he's so, fucking fantastic. Yeah, he's very observant. Right? Really is. And just basically tore apart the tore it apart. Tore it apart. Yeah. <laughs> basically saying, do we does do we really need the monarchy anymore? You know? It's not an original question. He's not the first no, it's to not. ask it. But he's also looking at a lot of its heritage and how the royal family what it represents. got its money and under what circumstances. Right. 
and some of his colonial policies under Queen Elizabeth's reign. So yeah, he really he he, he really lit a match yeah, to, the, right. to the monarchy. What was it called? I'm gonna have to go look for it. It was it was called uh, the monarchy. That was that was okay. the name of the, ep- of the episode. Well, the did he spend like that 22 minutes? Yeah, on it? yeah, that yep. long segment. Yep. Yeah, that's what he spent it on. I I. I fall into a rabbit hole of those. Oh, okay. I love those. We He's watch those amazing. every Sunday night. He's amazing. Never miss those. I have to watch it on YouTube. Oh, afterwards. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, yeah. And I also watched a movie that John Steele recommended when he was last here. Okay. It's on Netflix called Where the Crawdads Sing. Okay. Really good movie. I was really impressed how good it was. Really good movie. Yeah. It's a story of this young woman who basically raised herself after both her parents abandoned the family and her, and she basically raised herself in the family home out in the marshlands. Okay. And eventually it becomes more contemporary as the story goes on, and she's a more grown woman, and she's implicated in the murder of someone. Okay. And it's a whole backstory about that, and when she was younger, about her growing up and everything. Thing. Okay, okay. And twist ending, the end of the movie. All right. Good movie. I definitely recommend it. John okay. Steele made an excellent recommendation on that. Who was in it? I can't remember the the young woman who played the who, the lead actress in who it. Who directed it? Don't know that either. Was it an HBO original? It was on Netflix. Original? I believe so. I could be wrong, but I believe so. Okay. But definitely a big thumbs up. Big thumbs up. Big thumbs up. And we started watching this new anthology series called Guillermo del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities. Okay, I like everything about that sentence. (laughs) The alliteration? I'm thinking more of the image that Guillermo uh, represents. Okay. Standing next to a closet of secrets. Well, he's no, it's, it's an actual cabinet with all these, that opens up into all these other drawers. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the same. He's like, he's like, like a Rod Serling type host for all these different uh, separate episodes. Okay, that's kind of hot. It's really good. It's really good. What's good it horror called? stories. It's called Guillermo del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities. And is Guillermo del Toro hot? What do you mean, is he hot? Guillermo? Del Toro. Del Toro. He's a character? No, he's a director. He's a director. You've never heard of him before? Yes, I have. Okay. Um, But you say, you throw words like Guillermo del Toro at me, and and it takes a second. Okay. Um, Because of the imagery, something like that. Guillermo. What what did the imagery evoke? Um, I'm going to go with ship captain, some guy with like a, like a, like a matador, uh, some sort of romantic. So the, obviously you've never seen. You've never seen Guillermo del Toro. No, because now he's the guy with the with the Spanish guy, uh, Felipe uh, Antonio Banderas, and they work together a lot. Don't don't they? Don't look at me like that. Or is it the Guillermo sure. del Toro? I'm not sure. All right. Okay, I am aware of him. I am aware of his his uh, films. Okay. I don't know that I've seen. He looks him. nothing like you imagine. No, I know he doesn't. <laughs> That wasn't your intent. Just to be clear. So, uh, uh, yeah, I know. I'm, I've never seen any of his movies. I know they have a lot. They they all use a lot of the same cast. Okay. Who's in the movie you're talking about? Well, no, this isn't a movie. It's an anthology series. Oh. Yeah. It's all separate episodes. It's like a Twilight Zone type of series, only more horror based. Okay. It's really good though. I definitely recommend it. Is it is it like violently bloody and and things? It can be bloody at times. There was one episode where some like undead person. Person was basically performing okay. an autopsy on You can himself. stop right there. Once you add the word undead, I know exactly what you're talking about. This could have anything, ghosts, dragons, goblins, uh, you know, Nazi dentistry. I, I get, yeah. Okay. Nazi dentistry. Yeah. 
Okay. What, what did you watch the Marathon Man lately? Uh, no, but why did you have to even bring it up? Is it safe? <laughs> Great movie, by the way. Dustin Hoffman, Lawrence Olivier. Go watch it. Dustin Hoffman. Yep. And the limpest ripped. The limpest. Wrist, I think I ever saw you demonstrate. Oh, just now. On every one of those, on every syllable. Listen, darling. Dustin Hoffman, what's his face? And Lawrence Olivier, Marathon Man, go see it. Yeah, your wrist broke with each of those <laughs> slobbles. Anyway, I guess that's it for we like to watch this week. So now we'll move on to our next segment. God, Karen, you're so stupid. Yes, it's time for people saying stupid things. And I have two people for this week. One you will probably definitely agree with. The other one you may question a bit. But the first one I have is Texas Congressman Pete Sessions. Okay. There was a uh, House of Representatives hearing on cannabis. I guess I'm looking into, you know, the federalization of cannabis. Right, right, right. And uh, what he said was that cannabis has been advocated by people who are in it to make money. And slavery made money also. And was a terrible circumstance that this country and the world went through for many, many years. All right, hold on. His objection here is the making of the money? He's objecting to cannabis, saying that it's because it's advocated by people who are in it to make money. Right. Then it goes back to slavery. Yes. Who were people who were in it to make money. Yes. By growing a crop, they were in to make money. Like, oh, it's, it's a, that's the thing. You're supposed to go into something to make the money. No, you look at me like I'm crazy. But you're, comparis- you're, you're comparing growing a plant. Yes. From money. Yes. To the buying and selling of human beings. Wait, when did dead people happen? When did when, what story are you tell? Don't freeze like that. It's not a fucking comedy cue. What was the? What this was a recent comment by Congressman Pete Sessions. Okay. At a House hearing. Okay. On cannabis. Yes. Yes. And he says we shouldn't do it because people are going to make money from it. Yes. So he doesn't just he, like slavery. Just like slavery. But he, he he what I'm saying is he's looking over the fucking cotton. Like we're talking about the, it more it doesn't relate to slavery at all. It relates much more to the cotton itself or the corn or the wheat or the rye or the oats or the whatever the fuck they were growing that they were farming that uh you looked at me crazy for there and I, and stumbled me. He's not talking about what the slaves manufactured or produced. He's talking Neither about the buying and selling of cannabis in comparison to the buying or selling of humans right. and slaves. Which, okay. Would you agree that that is a ridiculous comparison? Absolutely. Make? Both in your, both in the sense that you're presenting it and the way that I am arguing against it. But you seem to have a but with that. There is a but. What is that but? The, the but is that the argument was so stupid on its face that, ah, uh, never mind. <laughs> never mind. People saying stupid things. Yes. So, to Pete Sessions, we say... That could be... Stupid! You're so stupid! I'm going to move on to our next nominee for people saying stupid things. This would be Dave Chappelle on his recent appearance on Saturday Night Live. And I know you have a hair up your ass. Well, I was going to preface this by saying, yes, I am not a fan of Dave Chappelle. I did not watch his performance on Saturday Night Live. I have no interest in watching Dave Chappelle. I think he's a transphobe. I am not a fan. Okay, so you will not watch. No. And you go in prejudged. No. Okay. But I found a transcript of his monologue. Okay. From what his show. Wasn't it like 14 minutes or some crazy he was on, shit? Yeah, it was on for like 15 minutes. That's crazy. 
They, they've done that before for him and other comedians, too. They, oh. they, they've done that for Louis C.K. I've seen that. 15 minutes? Uh, yeah. 12, yeah. I say between 12 and 15 minutes, yeah. American almost primetime airwaves? Yep. Commercial airwaves? Yep. One of the big three? Yep. Anyway, in his monologue, he was talking about Kanye West and Kyrie Irving and anti-Semitism. And he said this, I've been to Hollywood, and I don't want you all to get mad at me. I'm just telling you, this is just what I saw. It's a lot of Jews. Like, a lot. But that doesn't mean anything. You know what I mean? There's a lot of black people in Ferguson, Missouri. That doesn't mean we run the place. I would see if you had some kind of issue. You might go out to Hollywood. You might start connecting some kind of lines. And you can maybe adopt the delusion that the Jews run show business. It's not a crazy thing to think. But it's a crazy thing to say out loud in a climate like this. Okay. And you're, you object. Yeah. You're basically saying that, all right, you may have a basis for thinking what you're thinking. Just don't say it out loud. Okay. To me, that seems like if he were to have gained any wisdom from the last 10 years of his life, that would be it. Like those exact words, whatever they were, I forgot, but I'm so emphatic right now. You can't help me, can you? No. <laughs> I'm saying, where's the lie? In any of what he said, where's the lie? It's not a lie, but what you're saying is, it's okay to think what you think, just don't say it out loud. No, it's not okay to think that. No, it's not okay for you to think that you can judge what I think as okay or not. What I think is mine. So, if I, I can think, and I have thought, and I think, and I, many things that I did not say, because it was just probably not the benefit of mine. You know what I mean? It was... So, uh, yeah, that's how I feel. Okay. 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 So what's on the next segment? So we're moving on then? I don't even know. Yeah, let's let's just move on. Forward motion. Put your head down, your shoulder up, and push. It just seems to me, between this and Kanye and Kyrie Irving, how did we get to this point? Back in the 60s... Bitch, we started at this point. What was then? Back in the 50s and 60s, the American Jewish community was very active in the, in the civil rights movement. Yes, they were. Extremely active. Yes, they were. And now we're, what, 60 years later, and it seems now there's such a chasm between, between the, the two. Between the blacks and the Jews. Yes. Okay. It's well, like, how did we get there? All right. I, I don't know. I'm I don't know either. I don't have Jewish. the answer. I don't have the answer on that either. So I don't know. No. Uh, in the current climate of today's political directness, uh, we shouldn't discuss it because... It, but it just seems it, a shame that but I, former allies are former allies. Or, no. You know? God, we're going to definitely move on to our next episode. Julie Andrews, save me! Raindrops on roses whiskers on kittens, bright copper kettles and warm woolen mittens, brown paper packages tied up with strings. These are a few of my favorite things. Unreal. You say that every time we play that. And I'll say it every time we play it. <laughs> It was wrong, real. Anyway, for this week's five phase. Oh, see? Go ahead. We picked. Here, no. Ah! What? We picked? Yes. I'm me. talking I'm talking the royal we. Okay. <laughs> see, I always assume that I'm included or that there is somebody else included. No, no, you are told. The word we, so you are told yeah, by, by us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, you're not any kind of royal anything. I am a queen, honey. So I never so you are at best a duchess. Um I am assuming that you those rules are in play, but clearly whatever, okay. Anything can happen. Anyway, we pick for this week our five favorite movie dance scenes. And in doing so, yes, you set off a launch sequence. Well we said we in, in, no, we didn't say we anything. We could leave certain 
We can leave out West Side Story. No, that's a lie. I, yes, I said we can leave West Side Story you out. You did not. Yes, you I did. Okay. We discussed that the other day. May I have three minutes of uninterrupted time, please? No. <laughs> we did not discuss this the other day. Yes, I told you. We can eliminate West Side Story because there are just too many scenes in that movie that you could list. So why even bother? And the same way with Fred Astaire and Gene Kelly films. No. There no. are too many choices that you can make. Fine. I'm going to give you my list as I created it. Uh, are you? Now? Yes, I am. Well, da And you can number it any way you want. Oh, yes, I will. But there are more than five. Oh, you have more than five. There are groups. We can, <laughs> we can, we can move things into groups and larger groups. Oh, my God. Okay, to cool. make like a larger group could be... You just got to name five. No, it's not going to be five. And I'm telling you, it's not going to be five. I'm telling you. You have five specific favorite dance numbers. Yes. From me. That yes. That have ever been filmed. Yes. Okay. You don't, you don't, there is. Am I asking too much of you? No. Yes, you are. <laughs> to, to, yes, you are. As a matter of fact, you are. I'm sorry. To I make that, your brain. To make that list five, the very best I could do is, and believe me, I don't look for ways to extend this. So I really tried to button in on five, but then I, I, I kept hitting roadblocks. So. <laughs> Uh, it's not. It's not going to be. Fun. I. I don't know where we were. Let's hear your first choice. Okay, so I'm going to let this one stand on its own as representative of a genre. Of a genre. A genre, uh, and it is. Holy shit! I can't remember her name. Oh my god! First choice, and you can't remember. Oh my god! Oh my god! Is right. I can't remember her name. And Fred Astaire. Uh, you're going to have to Google it. Ginger Rogers, no, maybe? No, it was not Ginger Rogers. Citrice? No, it was not Citrice. And no, it was not Rita Hayworth. And no, it was not Adele. Dagmar Krauss? It was not Dagmar Krauss. What movie was it? I don't know. Just just put in uh, Fred Astaire, Begin the Begin. It is... Oh, what the fuck is her name? Oh, I'm yeah, so ashamed. Eleanor Powell. Eleanor Powell. Doing Begin the Begin. Yes, yes. From I, Broadway Melody. I love everything about this. Okay. I, lo I love... Everything about this, the way it looks, the way it moves, the way they interact, the way her skirt moves, the way his hands move. I love everything about this. This is um, and representative of probably all of his work and then other people's work around in that universe. Okay. That this, that very smooth. See, if I was going to pick a Fred Astaire movie, I was going to pick the scene with Ginger Rogers uh, to face the music. Uh, let's face the music and dance. Well, there's a there's beautiful a, dance. There's, there's, a, there's a hundred of you but know. But that's a, I that's one of my personal favorites. I love this song. So the fact that it's this song has a lot to do with it. Okay. Um, so that's why I'm saying things I love, Let's Face the Music and Dance. It's a great, and it's a great number. Yeah. The thing with him dancing on the wall as it moves around, dancing up the walls, dancing on the ceiling. I mean, those things are fantastic. But this is like, as well known in his contract, you must film me from my head to my toes at all times of while I'm dancing. And they did, and thank God, and, and thank whatever he knew that made that happen that it needed to happen because it's a it's an it's an amazing resource him dancing full body shots yep the whole time uh is an amazing it's an amazing thing to have okay so yeah i'm gonna go with fred astaire and in specific this one here with what's her face in that movie because i like the song okay go ahead my first choice is a little bit later in the period from seven brides for seven brothers the barn dance scene. Okay. Do you remember that scene? I do. Where they're basically competing with the other men for the attentions of the ladies on the dance floor? Yes. 
and it becomes this whole long sequence involving acrobatics. But that the men perform. Yeah, it's basically, a, it's, it's a the men performing almost all of this. To show off their masculinity yes. to the girls, yep. as staged by a, probably a homosexual. Probably. <laughs> okay, so it's hot. It's it's a great scene. It's okay. phenomenal to watch. And Russ Tamlin is in that scene. Oh, I, I think like he's Russ like Tamlin. I think he's like the youngest one. He's like a redhead in this. Okay, he does like, he does lots of acrobatics on this movie. Um, I was really he's amazed. in like two of my choices. Oh, okay. All right, which we're going to get to, which we're going to argue about now. <laughs> so, what's your second choice, Thomas? Oh, really? After the second one? Yes, number two. Okay, okay. Another single shot. Another single performance, another single three minutes. Okay. Or five minutes, or in this case, probably 11 minutes. Okay. Uh, an American in Paris. I knew you were going to say that. I knew it. You knew I was going to say it. How did you not know? I just knew it. He is the most beautiful man, and he any has particular, the most Any particular ass. scene in that? That that particular ballet, when he does an American in Paris. Okay. Okay, that sequence, that number. You know what? It's staged very much, in, and it filmed very much in the same way that the Dream Ballet in Oklahoma did. Yes. When they put it on yeah. the film. Because it was not just dancing for dancing's sake. It communicated the story. It, to, it told you the story, um, and they filmed it very much the same way, broadly. Oh, and, yeah. They had to, uh, yeah. I mean, oh, my God. Staging on that was... So, uh, yeah, those those kind of things. But that ballet in particular, probably because of his wardrobe, let's be honest. Yep. I was young. <laughs> he was hot. Yes, that he was. That ass is, is... Oh, my God. Please. Not to be believed. Please. So, yeah. Uh, I'm going to go with that, that sequence. All right. Good choice. My next choice is from a movie from the 1970s called All That Jazz. Oh, see that? Okay. And this is the take off with us scene. Okay. Which is just... Yeah. Phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a showstopper, it's, that scene. Because first you have the whole dance sequence and the whole welcoming in the beginning. And then it goes into the whole sex scene, basically. It's a whole sex dance. It's like, like an orgy of dance. It's, it, uh, it's amazing to watch. It got me through <laughs> periods of my life I can't even describe. I um, Sure. And it is on my list. And ah! it, 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 I, I, I was trying to stipulate a way maybe we could just talk about two or three numbers from that movie. Oh. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? That's how bro- my my groups are getting broader. Okay. So that, or is that, can we just say Fosse movies? Well, that, I mean, that is a Fosse movie. It I is mean, a Fosse, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a, a movie that Fosse made in stage and choreographed. Yeah. Which is this, Sweet Charity, uh, Cabaret. I mean, if, if we, and, but this was semi-autobiographical, too. It doesn't make a difference. I know. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about the, um, the musical itself and the dance numbers from it. How do you pick one number from that movie? I just did. Okay, I had the same. <laughs> I had the same number on my list. So what I'm okay. thinking, maybe it's a way we can sort of ding that off, so we can fit more in. Oh, you want to ding that off? I, no, I want. If I see, that's how I you. felt about West Side Story, and I know you're ready to start naming scenes from that. Uh, it's, it's so what? if we're gonna ding off all that jazz, and we're gonna ding off West Side Story. No, 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 no. By dinging <laughs> off, I mean like stipulate to it. Yes, they're in the pantheon of great dance movies, great dance scenes. Okay, we might could, we might could. Okay, so what am I up to now? Number three. Yes, number three. I cannot use West Side Story. No, I cannot use any Bob Fosse. Why not? Okay, why not? Mm. Cabaret, Sweet Charity, and what was the third one? Cabaret, Sweet Charity. Oh my God, what was the third one? All oh, that jazz. Okay, I want to stipulate them as my number three. That is my number Jesus three. Jesus Christ. Yes. You couldn't just pick a scene. No, 
No. Jesus. Because how? You don't. You, I did. You, well, you're not you. You're me. <laughs> no, no, no. I, you're you. I'm me. Thank God. You thank God indeed. I'm just saying that that's... Uh, I can't... I can't. From those, I could take... If, if you limited me to those three movies, I could take probably six numbers and make a list <laughs> of my top... You can't do this to me. This is... Yes, I can. Well, this is what you get when you do it. <laughs> Sometimes you hit a watermelon on the head and it goes everywhere. <gasps> did you hear about him? Yes. He died. I know. Was, did we do We him? talked about him last week. Did we cover him? Yes, we did. Okay, good. Anyway, for my next choice, I had to pick the Time Warp from the Rocky Horror Picture Show. I'm ashamed I didn't think of it myself. Really? Yeah. Oh, my God. Shame am, on I you. I am ashamed of that, yes. Shame, shame, shame. In it's, fact, at the most recent wedding Stephen and I went to for Stephen's nephew, we didn't dance at all until they played the Time Warp. Now, I want to... Them- the dance floor. How many <laughs> how many times has that song been in that situation? How many weddings, how many bar mitzvahs, how many sweet sixteens? Oh, I'm sure and that thousands, song goes, and millions. Every, everybody does a dance. Of course, if they know it. Well well what I the longer the movie lasts, the differenter it is. The callbacks, the things. Oh, that yeah, they, it, they it's change. All change it's all time. different, which yeah. is supposed to. Yeah. Which sort of is sad because it sort of segregates my yeah. enjoyment of it for a younger from generation. a younger generation's enjoyment of yeah. it. Yeah. So, because then we just didn't know each other, and, and we can't do it together. No, it's different. It's different it's experience. Hard. You have to do it with only people who you experienced it with. Yeah, exactly. It's a different experience. Yeah, it's a great choice. It's a, it's. A, I'm ashamed I didn't think of it myself. Really, it's a great choice. I almost went with the floor show. But I was like, no, time warp's more memorable. Time warp is. It's a great number. Yeah, it's it's just. A, it's a great number. No, it's, it's. Everybody does it. Everybody knows how to do it. Everybody exactly. Does it. And exactly. every time it's played, it's done. Yeah. So, what is your fourth choice? Okay, we're gonna have to go with Chicago, but there are two specific scenes. Okay, this will be your fourth and fifth choices. It won't. Oh, it won't? No, it won't. Oh, they're going in together. Yeah, they're going in (coughs) as four. You really cannot stay within the parameters of these rules, can you? No, as Fosse went in as three, we are putting this uh, Rob Marshall thing in together as four, uh, it's only that my mind isn't thinking fast. And which scenes are we talking about? We're talking about the uh, the opening, all that jazz. Okay. We're talking about Subway Tango, which was like a 1980s video orgasm experience for me that was so good. Okay. Um, uh, we're talking about uh, Roxy. Okay. Oh, these are all epic, fantastic, beautifully staged dance numbers on a screen. And it's a little more modern. So I was thinking, you know, let's get some modern film up in there. Okay. Wait till you hear my next one. It's so modern. My next choice, you're going to probably be like, uh, The Tango from Scent of a Woman with Al Pacino. I never saw it. You never saw Scent of a Woman? I never oh, saw wow. Scent of a Woman. Why would I go see that movie? Because it's a good movie. Okay. Its title is saying, Not For You, Gay Guy. You have no idea what the movie's about. I have no idea what the movie's about. They do a tango. Is there anything gayer? So there's plenty of reason for me to go see that movie. I love him. I love her. I can't get past the smell. You should definitely watch the movie. Wipe okay. away your pre-impressions no. of it already. Smell of a Woman is not a movie I'm going to commit it's, two hours to. The movie is about this young man in college who's in a bit of trouble. And for a weekend, he has to accompany this blind man on this trip that he's going on. Okay. Played so by Al Pacino. Who is, of course, this lo- uh, super attractive. The women can't keep their hands off of him. No, he's nothing at all like that. He's okay. a very angry, feisty oh. man. Oh, it's the other Al Pacino. will find out more, yeah. 
But later on in the movie, they go to a restaurant together. It's a really beautiful restaurant. And he does a tango. String quartet playing or whatever. With a stranger. And he sm- he ha- he's able to identify, even though he's blind, various perfume scents. Of course. So he smells this one scent of this woman, and they approach her, and they start talking. And before you know it, a tango starts playing, and he asks the woman to tango. And she says, I don't know how. And he's like, don't worry about it. And they do this great tango together. Just the two of them on the dance floor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a lovely scene. I love the tango. It's my favorite dance. I do, too. I do, too. Anyway, what is your fifth and final choice? Oh, we're not... Okay, so I did the Fosse. I did the... did Chicago, which deserved it. Okay, I'm going to go now with moving modern, being modern, being cool, being hip, being with the kids. The opening number specifically. Okay. Of In the Heights. Good choice. I like that. I approve of that choice. I don't care if you... That's a great opening number. It's a fantastic... And it's photographed nice. It's film. Oh, yeah. So if you're going to... You know, you're talking about putting numbers on film. They did a really... Innovative and creative and... Yes, they did. Nicely done job. Yeah, it's a nice build, but it's a nice exposition. It, it works perfectly. Good dancers. Yeah. Oh, my God. The dancing in that is great. The choreography scene. was nice. It right. It was happy. It was upbeat. It was... Uh, it wasn't even happy enough because it was hot and it was sweaty and you knew it. You know, I was... I, I love that the way they did that number. I like that whole movie. And you know what that show is to me. I love that show. It is. It's a great, it's, it's a good movie adaptation of the show. It, it really, really is. is. I was really impressed how good it was. Yeah. Because they did, they did a great job. They didn't really take away from the show itself, you know? My fifth and final answer is an old movie from the 80s called White Nights with Mikhail Baryshnikov and Gregory Hines. Where he's in Russia. Yes, and they had this dance number together. The tap number? Oh, yes. Oh, my God. What a great number that Filmed is. Filmed like from the floor. Yeah. It's, yeah. Phenomenal to watch. Yeah, yeah. Well, it also, really is. Head to toe. You, you, you never, there's never a close up. It's the whole, I think the whole dance number is head to toe of both of them. Yeah. Like yeah. The you never see thing. them like above or anything no. like that. No, it's them filling the screen the whole time. Yeah. It's a great scene. It really is. It's a great scene. Good, good movie, too. Yeah. It had that suspense of Russia and the cold weather involved. <laughs> Gregory Hines, Gregory Hines, Gregory Hines finds himself in Russia, and he was going to become a. He's going to become a. What's it called when you're? Uh, what Parishnikov did to get here? Defect. Defect. He wants to defect. Gregory Hines wants to defect to Russia. Oh, I think Gregory Hines had already defected to. Had Russia. Had already defected to Russia. And okay. they brought back Nikhil Barishnikov's character, and they teamed him up with Gregory Hines at that point. For what reason? I don't know. I don't. Remember. I don't. I haven't seen the movie in a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that scene, I remember distinctly. You know? Yeah, it was a good scene, right? Really it really was. Scene. So that brings us now to our next segment. Get off my lawn. Did you hear me? I said get off my lawn now. Yes, it's time for the grumpy old game and gripe of the week. And what gripe do you have this week, Thomas? What gripe do I have this week? I really have no right to gripe about anything. But you will. But of course. Wow. I'm not ready. You're not ready? I'm not ready. Shall I go ahead with my gripe then? Yes, for sure. I'll do that then. Funny, my gripe is actually, I went back to the script from last year, what we did on last November 16th of 2021, to see what my gripe was then, and it's pretty much the same gripe that I have now, only it's a bit more specific, about celebrating the holidays too early, but this time it's about people putting up and turning on their Christmas lights already. Not even already. For the past two weeks before this, I've seen neighbors put up their decorations, turn the lights on, and I'm like, what the 
fuck are you doing? It's not even fucking Thanksgiving yet. But what happens, I'm just realizing in my head, is that it gets really busy for them once the holidays hit. So if they don't do it, like then from the time the holidays hit in like Thanksgiving to the New Year, those poor people are running around like crazy people. They have to do it early if they're going to get it done at all, whether or not they turn it on. But that's the thing, they're turning them on and it looks ridiculous. To happen in November in 70 degrees. And of course, I've had some people say, well, what's the problems? You know, people need to celebrate the holidays longer. What's wrong with being in a joyful and good mood for extra time? And I'm like, well, why do you need a holiday for that? Well, that's... You know? Yeah. Holidays are supposed to be special occasions. When you celebrate them for two months, three months ahead of time, it's no longer a special occasion, you know? It's not the same. I agree. Whereas I, I posted on Facebook, I was like, imagine if we celebrated the 4th of July for two months leading up to the 4th of July. Firecrackers and fireworks going off every night. Yeah, I find it hard, really, to care about this at all. This really, it just bugs me. It just <laughs> bugs me. Bugs the shit out of me. There's not, you know, there's a million excuses to, to keep put the up holidays special. To, That's my bottom line. Keep the, the holidays special. But when you say the holidays, yes, you're talking about Thanksgiving and Christmas. Yes. Or Thanksgiving and Christmas and Christmas Eve. All of them. Because you, know, well, but especially Christmas. Christmas is the one the now that's that getting affected you. Just trivialized to death now. Christmas. Yes. Being trivialized. When you go see stores putting up Christmas merchandise in September. Oh, well, you're talking retail now. Retail is a whole different story. They're all in it for the money. But when I see, like I said, when I see people putting up fucking decorations and turning them on in early November, it's like, what the fuck? See, I think it's weird and even mock-worthy. But I'm able to find some place where I could say, this 30-year-old couple with these four fucking under-seven-year-old kids from the, the, wanting to see people and being at the house and the thing and the holidays and everything it is, the shopping, the school, the whole thing, that if we don't put it up right after Halloween, it's not going up. We don't have the time. Then don't do it. Then don't do it. Then don't do it, you say? Yes. Wow. That's harsh. I believe that's harsh. I have to say, I believe that's harsh. Don't do it. I remember as a kid, my parents not putting up the Christmas tree until we were in bed on Christmas Eve. And so must it be for families across America because... You said so. <laughs> yes, so let it be written, so let it be done. So let it be done. Oh, we're even getting religious now. Okay. Well, that's very Yule Brenner of me. Well, there's, 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 no, there's no really rebuke to such a proclamation. No, there isn't. So I'm hoping we can move on. Yes. What's it, would you have, did you come up with a gripe yet? Oh, uh, my gripe. Yes, your gripe. Oh, shit, my gripe. Because <laughs> um, you, know, you always want to be clever. You don't have to be clever. No, I, uh, I never expect you to be clever. Okay. <laughs> that's good. A gripe of the week. Something that's annoying for no reason and just bugs you. Um, and it happens all the time, everywhere, every place. Um, okay. You know what bugs me? What bugs you? When I walk into CBS, yes. that employee who says hi. <laughs> that bugs that you? That bugs the shit out of me. Why? A, because I know that the reason she's there is so that I know that she's there. Yes. That's the reason she talks to me in the first place, is to pull my attention to her so that I know that she's there. Right. Okay, and the second thing is it sounds so scripted and insincere. But also you can use that opportunity to ask the employee if you're looking for something specifically where that something specific is. Hi. Hi there. It's like she's one of the ants in... Um, <laughs> can I help you with anything? What's that play? Austin and Old Lace. <laughs> rather than say, what the fuck do you want? No, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. It's better than, 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 it's better than them just standing at the door saying, receipt, receipt. I, 
it just it just seems I, I don't that's the voice of my husband Stephen by the way I think they got that <laughs> I don't I don't I you know, don't like what it. they do at the grocery store when they make you go to self checkout because they have nothing else going no other that is so. happening more and more and more often all of the time pay more and be your own cashier but I'm gonna fucking check your your receipt yeah, on your yeah, way and out. you don't get the holidays yeah. or, or from a bag work. or or a bag speaking of bags. <laughs> anyway, we now come to the conclusion of this week's episode. Aren't you lucky? <laughs> so, for those of you, obviously, who don't know, we will not be here next week with a new episode. Wait, why not? Because we're taking a break for the Thanksgiving holiday. Wait, Thanksgiving is next week? Yes, it is. It is on November 24th, Thursday. I have to go to res- to, to respiratory? I don't know. What are they called? I don't know. The day before. Okay. Respiration, resp- the, the repository. What, who is the guy? The lung guy. What's his name? Pulmonary. 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 I'm going to pulmonary the Wednesday before. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. And then Thursday we're going to eat probably. That's what I would assume. I think my, my, my sister-in-law, Mary, and her family, they always invite us, so we're going to meet my sister. Mm, okay, we're cool. Going over, we're going over there. Yeah, we're gonna be right here. We're not really sure who's coming yet, but we're gonna be right here having dinner. Stephen bought a turkey last week. Okay, how big? Uh, how many pounds, Stephen? Got a small one this year. I got a ten pound. Oh, ten, 10, pounds. Pounds. 10 pounds. Ten pounds. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, I I've never cooked a turkey smaller than twenty. Cook a big chicken. That's what you got to go at it last year. If it's defrosted, just cook a big chicken. I'm used to cooking it for so many hours. I'm gonna have to remember this is only gonna take an hour or so. That's what I'm saying. So, like I said, we will not be here with a new episode next week. Hopefully, I will put together some outtakes that we can put up next week instead. But we will be back recording on November 30th for a December 2nd release of our next new episode. There's too many dates in that. Too many dates? Yeah, yeah. Why? Is this First too much for your little mind to keep track of? Next week? What's that? If, do they need a warning like we're not going to be here next week? Just, just. Well, I don't want people tuning in looking for an episode thinking, oh, it's going to be a brand new episode this week. And they're like, oh, it's only outtakes. Oh, see, you have. So this way, now we warn them ahead of time. You have a different view of outtakes than I do. Oh, okay. There are frequently times where I say, "Oh, thank God, outtakes." Okay. No, I don't see it as like a a, a poor substitution, (laughs) like you seem to indicate there. Well, it's it's previously recorded episode that we've omitted it's for previous episodes. Episode, so you're probably not going to get a to this day in history or today is or birthdays. I don't know yet. I haven't gone through the outtake section. On the so. other hand, you could just do a whole thing about, you know, birthday bitches. I could do that too. Where we talk people birthday. If there's anything that happens, I don't know. Where does the funny happen? I don't know. Well, one of us better find out. <laughs> well, we know it ain't going to be you, motherfucker. Well... You told me what the job was. <laughs> okay, so it's my fault again. Go ahead, whiny, whiny, <laughs> fucking scary leprechaun. Anyway, whiny, fucking sketchy. What did I say? I don't know. Creepy. What did I say? I don't know. Leprechaun. We want to thank my husband and producer Stephen Prendergast for. Baking the cookies. He actually baked the cookies. Yes, he did, and they were delicious. They were delicious. Yes, they were. And we, re- we want to remind you that you can find all of our episodes, plus our bonus material, 
on our website, www.grumpyoldgaymenandtheirdogs.com. And you can also follow us daily on Facebook and Twitter. Anything else to add, Tommy? No, not at this time. I'm waiting for my cue. Oh, you're waiting for your cue. Okay, I'll give you your cue then. So on that note, we're going to say have a good night, have a good week, have a good life, and we'll see you next time. Bye, bitches.